Last Sunday we shared our first message concerning our connection this month and about our connection Sunday about being connected to church life and and so I've got a few other things that I want to share with you today I want to review a little bit what we talked about last week um, if you've been around here for very long you've heard these scriptures talked about and got a few new ones today but but most of these scriptures you've heard and you don't want to become too familiar with them you don't want them to you don't want to allow scripture to be uh so familiar that it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other you want to grow from scripture all the time how many believe that amen you want to constantly grow in scripture we, 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 we grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from one faith experience to the next. When, from one revelation to the next, we grow in understanding of Scripture. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I am so glad that we don't just hear some word and then we top out and that's all we're going to ever have and then we just live the rest of our life bored, right? We don't want to be people that are bored. We want to be people on the cutting edge, growing and increasing in revelation and understanding. And that's why we come here. We come to gates of the city because we center our lives around the word. And what we're about is discipling, discipling people's lives with the power of God's word. We want the seed of the word to, t to take up residency on the inside of you and for you to have more confidence in what God says inside of you than what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears. We want you to be more confident in God's word than present circumstances. Always. Your whole life that way. Confident in, in God and in his word. And so today I'm going to go through scripture and, and look at some things that I, that I feel like are important. And there's a verse of scripture that was taught to me years ago and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read it a lot in the last few years uh, or I haven't, I haven't preached from that verse of scripture. I mention it every once in a while but, but not like I used to years ago. But, the, but there's a lot of truth to this and, and um, it's found in, in, in the Old Testament, the book of Hosea and I'm going to read it in, uh, I'm going to read it in two translations, the New King James and then also in the Message. And in the New King James in Hosea 4.6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also will, re will reject you from being priest for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Now, when you read things, you know, a lot of people read Old Testament scriptures and the way it's worded. Uh, the Old Testament isn't done away with. The Old Testament now is fulfilled through what Jesus accomplished. So a lot of times when you read, <clears throat> when you read Scripture in the Old Testament, and it says, and it says here that God's saying, um, because you've rejected knowledge, I also will reject you. It, it sounds like that God has a mean nature to him. And there's a lot of people that think that God has a mean nature. No, God has a true nature. Whatever God says will happen, will happen. And if you reject the truth, things can't happen for you that would happen if you embrace the truth and you did something with it. Do I get an amen out of that? I mean, that, that, that's, the, that's the absolute truth. It's not God coming along and saying, well, I was watching you yesterday and now I'm rejecting you. No, 
If you come to the knowledge of the truth and you begin to walk in it and then you reject that, there's some consequences to pay. And, and the consequences are the lack of revelation coming to you. And that's what we're talking about today, about the importance, the importance of being connected. There's something about it that people underestimate Especially when times are good, they underestimate what they think they have. But if you have no revelation of the Word and it's not working deep on the inside of you, and it's not something that is constantly working and manifesting in your life, if that's not happening in your life, then, then, then things can happen that you wouldn't prepare for. You, didn't, you, you will not know how to prepare for what comes in your life. God, through His Word prepares us day to day when we develop a routine and we develop a lifestyle in God's Word. It prepares us for when things come, we know how to stop it, we know how to resist it, we know how to do what God tells us to do in His Word, and then we know how to receive from His promise what He has for us so that what happens, and I'm not comparing to other people, but I'm just saying what happens to the rest of the world won't happen to you. It won't happen to you when you know how to resist and combat things that come at you. So, he said here in this Hosea 4.6, um, because you've forgotten the law of your God, in other words, you knew it, the law meaning the word, because you knew it and yet you forgot it, I will also forget your children. The, the message says it like this in verse 6. My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. Because you've turned your back on knowledge. In other words, you were facing knowledge, you were gleaning from knowledge, you were, you were getting into the Word. He said, because they've turned their back on it, I've turned my back on you, priests. We're all kings and priests in God's kingdom, New Testament. Because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God, I'm no longer recognizing your children. Your choices today will affect your children. That's not a curse. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be a doer of the word, then your children will be blessed. You will leave them a heritage of God's word that will cause them to be and, and to overcome things that you didn't know how to overcome in the day when you didn't have the word. I'm going to read that last part again. Because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God. I'll say it like this. When we refuse to recognize the value of the revelation of God's Word, then there are some things in life that God won't stop because of the way He set it up. You and I have to grow up we have to mature and develop into the people that God wants us to. If we're just waiting for God to just, to just save us from things, I'm not saying that His mercy and grace are not there for us and they'll work for us. But I don't want to just be depending on a last-second mercy saving. I want to know who I am. I want to know what I have a right to, and I want to know what I can claim day to day. Can you say Amen. So, last week we talked about, um, and, I, and I'll just, just review just in, in quoting a few things. We, we talked about, <clears throat> out of 2 Kings, that 
God said his eyes and his heart are on and in his house. Then we talked from uh, 1 Timothy 3.15 that God's house is the church, the pillar of truth. The church is about delivering the truth. The church is about letting people know that we, are, we, we value more about your life. We value the fact that you are growing and developing in revelation, not forgetting revelation like Hosea 4.6, not underestimating the power that revelation produces. We value revelation in your life. And so the, the house of God, Old Testament, New Testament, house is the church, the pillar of the truth. Then Ephesians 1 says, the church is his body. Say, I'm the body. But we're the body. When I say I'm the body, I'm not everything that Jesus was. We are. We make up the body of Jesus Christ. All the parts working together. I don't make up all of Jesus Christ. We do. That's why we have to be connected. We have to, in spite of one another, we have to love each other and connect with each other and learn to give to each other and sow into each other and, and, and have the passion for other people to grow up, not our life, just only about ourselves. That's vital. Connection is vital from day to day. It's vital that we understand the importance of that in everything that we do. Can you say amen? So... <clears throat> And we mentioned out of Psalm 92 and verse 13 that those who are planted in the house, they will flourish in everything they do. The house wants you to flourish in everything that you set your hand to. That's what the house wants. And the house knows, that the, the, the word says that to flourish in what we do, people have to be planted, so you have to give people the opportunity to be planted. And when you're planted in the house, then you'll flourish in everything that you do. In your jobs, in your family, you know, in, in, in everything that life has and holds and where you wear, say, a different hat, God wants you to flourish in that. And I'm telling you, when you're connected to the house, when you're planted in the house, it will produce that. Amen. But you have to believe it. So... Today I want to start in, we read this verse last week, but I want to start with this again. In Proverbs um, <clears throat> 29, 18. And I'm just going to, uh, the, the, the King James Version of Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law happy is he, in the King James Version. But the New King James says, Where there is no revelation. Remember what Hosea said? Where if, if, you, if you underestimate, if you, if you lack valuing revelation in your life, then we read in that Hosea 4.6 what the results of that are. He said here, where there is no revelation from, from God's word, the people cast off restraint. That's an interesting, it's an interesting way to say that if you have no vision, you'll perish. It's an interesting way to say it. Because <clears throat> restraint almost sounds negative. Well, somebody's, you know, people are just restraining me. They're holding me back is what it sounds like that restraint means. But <clears throat> when you, when a horse is restrained by its reins, 
what, what's happening is it's keeping the horse actually from hurting themselves. I mean, I, I mean that's what I've been told. And, and, and it, it, it holds them back, and then, and then they're released when they're ready. But they're held back when, it, when they, you know, they, they make, uh, the, the rider may see them coming to the side of a cliff, and they, the reins pull them back and hold them back from going over the side of the cliff. You know, I don't know that a horse would do that. I'm just using that as an example. That's what the rain or the restraint does, is it brings protection. And, and he's saying where you have no vision, where there's, the, the Amplified said, where there's no redemptive revelation of God coming to you. Well, we're reading, and what I'm showing you is, is that the house of God, which is the church, where God's heart and His eyes are, is where the teaching of the Word should be, and what should be produced is redemptive revelation. In other words, you and I should be knowing who we are and how God wants us to live and operate in the earth so we can advance His kingdom, His cause in the earth. Can you say amen? At whatever we do. Now God knows all the, the vocations we have, the other things that we do other than church life, but He's saying if you'll stay and be connected to church life, if you'll do what you need to do, whether you think you need it or not, if you'll not underestimate the value of the preached word and the revelation that comes from the preached word, if you'll not underestimate that but value it, then it'll set you up and put you in a place where the restraint will cause you to live a life where you're advancing and prospering and overcoming in everything you do. That's what he's saying here. He said, people with no revelation, people that back off from that, people that have come to the knowledge of the truth and then they kind of overestimate their self and their own ability to be able to accomplish things, it says they cast off restraint. So then life, what life opens up and, 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 and deals to you is all these different types of opportunities that a lot of times can send you over the side of the cliff. The preached word and being connected and being under authority helps to produce that restraint that's needed because God, when you're hearing the word daily and you're doing something with the word, you're learning to listen internally and not in your head. Most people in life are confused from their head because there's 900 voices that are coming from them to them from every direction. There's, a, there's one internal voice that has the answer to everything. Amen? That's the value of being connected to the house. The house of God is the church, which is His body. That's all of us together, and as we get connected stronger, as more people get connected with us, as we teach people, as your life teaches people the value of being connected, there's no end to what can happen. Amen? Today in our, we have a, we have a time, everybody that serves in, in the body, we have about a five-minute little prayer time and where we pray, somebody brings a little short word, and today Veronica bring a word about connection and the value of connection. And she shared three things that, that have come against her life over the last few years at different times. And every time that one of those things, that were, when there was something that, that in the natural, you, you, you know what that's like. When something comes at you and it seems like you don't have the power and the ability to deal with it, in the moment, it's in those moments that... What you've deposited and what you've spent time doing is what determines the outcome of what comes to you. The Bible doesn't say things aren't going to come at you. 
See, if you're waiting to live a life where there's no difficult days and don't, no difficult times, you're, you're wait, I mean, you might as well die. Yeah, because there's no difficulties in heaven. So you might as well just die. But if you're going to live here and you're going to live strong and you're going to live long on the earth because your life is here to advance the kingdom and be a blessing to other people, if you're going to live that way, then you will have attacks and trials and temptations and tests that come at you. And what will determine the outcome of those is what you do day to day and how you value the revelation that's coming to you and never let anything steal the revelation from your life. You let something steal the revelation from your life and now you're trying to navigate and figure your life out on your own. And I'm telling you, you're no good at it. Uh, me, you, everybody. I mean, we can be on the loudspeaker from one end of the planet to the other and say, you're no good at navigating your life. It doesn't matter how, how you, 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 can be, you can be the most defeated person on the earth or you can be the person that looks like they're the most successful person on planet earth. But if you have no revelation, no redemptive revelation of God working on the inside of you, you're not a success. And it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time of your life imploding and things happening. And, and destructive things happening in your life because it takes that redemptive revelation to keep the restraint that we need to be the people God created us to be so that we're fulfilling the plan and purposes that he had for us. Number one, finding him. The revelation will help you to find what that is. Then once we find why we're here and, what, and, and our purpose and plan on planet Earth, then those restraints empower us to make sure that we don't go ahead of God, that we just do exactly what he says. One of the confessions I make over myself every day, I hear the voice of God and I do exactly what God says every day. I say that over myself every day. I speak it over my wife every day. I speak it over all of you every day. I declare that we hear the voice of God and we do exactly what God says. I tell you, saying that over yourself, things like that over yourself on a day-to-day -day basis, what you're doing is you're saying what God says is so over you. He said we have the ability to hear His voice. He said we have the ability to obey what he tells us to do. He said it. And I choose to. How about you? Can you say amen? So, redemptive revelation is the key to living in the fullness of what God has for us. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things about you walking in revelation or, or, or several little thoughts of concerning that. As you keep vision, as you keep redemptive revelation, it helps other people to keep it. Right? Because what's working in you can work in someone else if you're allowing your light to shine. We're going to read a scripture concerning that in a moment. But God wants your light to shine. And so as, as you keep it, as you keep revelation, and it helps other people keep it, um, because if people get away from it, um, all kinds of things can happen when you get away from revelation. There, there, there's never been a time in the history of the world, because God, you know, it, it's, just, it, it's just this way. The Bible says darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, even in the times that we're living in right now. But the light, see, but the light. And where is the light? The light chose to live inside of you and I. 
but the light. So there's all kinds of things, and things get deeper and harder, and, and, and it, can be more, it appears to be more difficult. But I'm telling you, to, to hear God's voice and to obey his word has always been the same. And it'll always be the same. And I'll just tell you right now, it's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. It's just simple. I mean, it's almost so simple that people just stumble over it. But it's simple. And if we allow that, if we allow the simplicity to tell us that it's not that important, then the enemy's got the upper hand. And he will deceive you without continuous redemptive revelation working in your life. Um, Matthew 16. This is just a familiar passage, but I, I, I like a number of things that it says here. When Jesus came into the region, verse 13, when he came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock, what rock? Peter? No, the rock of Revelation. He said, on this rock, I will build my church, which is the house of God, which we are the body of Christ. He said, I will build my church. So in other words, what he's saying is, I will build Burt Wimberley, right? I will build Dale Lamont. I will build each of you in this house right here. I will build you. You put your name in there, I will build you. But God is building us as he's building one another. See, you, 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 you can gather, like, like half of you could gather somewhere else in town at some just social event or whatever, and we could have a good time, but that's not the church. You understand? And go have a good time and gather and ha have a good time. Do whatever you're going to do. But that's not the church. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, 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 can, even, we can even go to the football stadium and have, have a, an evangelistic deal. And, and, and all the things are happening uh, which are part of the evangelistic deal. But God's not building evangelism. Evangelism is part of the church. But God's building his church. Amen? And he said... And I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose shall be loosed. So the binding and loosing is connected to what? The church. The building of the church. The building of us. That's why connection is so vital. As you look at the tables over there, and the, I, I don't know how many things, how many different one of the, uh, connect groups that we have. We have some connect socials, and I think we have one uh, connect equip. And when you look at those over there, um, the, the connect socials are, are, are just, they're social times to get together and eat, exercise, do, I, I don't know what all, all is over there. But, but it's, it's not so much about what, the event is what the connection or the gathering is what the social event is but it's about being in a situation that may not be comfortable to you 
And definitely with people, because, I mean, you know, you may wait till the last Wednesday to sign up because you want to see who signed up to the other groups. And, uh, well, I don't know if I want to go to this one because so-and-so's in that one. No, go to that one. I'm just telling you. I, I, I just encourage you. That's the way I've gotten over intimidation in my life. That's the way I've gotten over fears in my life. No, I'm, I'm going to that one. Hmm? I'm, I'm, I'm going to join the women's group. No, I'm, <clears throat> no I, I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get over the intimidation. I'm going to get over the fear. And, and what will happen is, nine and a half times out of ten, what happens is you get connected with people that have something that you didn't have any clue that they had that has even encouraged you. Always happens that way. But you know what it takes? You being obedient to do what God tells you to do. See, but those, that, it's more about the connection of us being the church. See, Jesus said here that I'll build my church, and if you're part of the church being built, see, if you're, if you're just kind of over here and you're just kind of hanging on and you're just kind of looking on the outside, kind of looking in, well, I don't want to do all those kind of things. See, you're not being built in the form of connection. And listen, what's tied to connection in the church of what God is building is the power to bind and loose, right? It's, it's the having the authority to bind things and loose things that God wants bound and loose so that you're living in a place of authority in the earth that people gravitate toward. You should be a human magnet that people are gravitating toward because of the anointing that's on your life. And where does that come from? Connection. When you're, when you're planted in the house, you'll flourish in everything else that you do. Can you say amen to that? Um, so, a couple thoughts. The church is a gathering. The church is. It's each person from their place gathering in this place to connect to something that's greater than they are. Just remember that today. That's what it's about. It's you coming from your place, your environment, connecting to a public environment here, which is the house of God, the church, the body of Jesus Christ coming together, so that you can be connected to something that is empowering you to accomplish things in life that you could never do otherwise. Because if you're not connected to this, you're going to try to figure life out on your own. And that's a it's a lonely place and a scary place and a defeated place. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage you from doing what you think is right in life. And if, you, if, you, if, if you're sitting out there today thinking, you know, I don't know about this church thing, well, go do your own thing. I, I'm not, and I'm not going to pray that something bad happens to you to prove what I'm saying. I'm saying God showed this to us. We believe in it. We're telling you because of how it will benefit and profit your life. And if you choose over time to embrace it, it'll produce for you. Like Sandra said today about proving God in the tithe, about testing God in the tithe. I've challenged, different, if you've been around here any time, I've challenged you different times. You know, just, just if, you, if you've been concerned about tithing, you know, uh, honor God with the tithe. Take the tithe, say, for three months. Just set a goal. He said, for you to prove him. You're not proving me. You're not proving it to me. You're proving him. 
and you honor God on the tithe, you watch what happens. Yeah, but, you know, I can't afford it. I understand. Been there, done it. I, I had the mentality and all those kind of things when I first started out. But when I stepped out and did and walked in obedience to that, something happened, and, and we never looked back. Never looked back because of, of, what, uh, of the opportunities that opened up and the revelation that came to us about being a tither. That, that, that's what it produced. Um, and, 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 and the second thought is that we are citizens um, who are called together to do what? To pray together, right? To pray for each other, to give to each other, you know, of our, of our time, of our efforts, of whatever somebody needs, to work with each other, to connect on, 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 a, on a working basis. Because what we do around here, it doesn't take up much of your whole week what we do in comparison to the rest of your week. But what it's here for is for you to sow and learn at the same time. I can't tell you all the years before I became pastor, the eight years, I did everything that there was to do in the church. I became the associate pastor of the church that I was in, but before that, I did everything that you could do in the church. I, I for a number of years, cleaned the church. I did the PA in the church. I led worship in the church. Uh, I was on the board of the church. I was the secretary, kind of, of the church. Uh, I, I, I mowed the yard of the church. I, did, I mean, I was in three different churches in, in that time period. And I did everything that you could do in the church. I mean, I just, I did everything. And in those days, the revelation that came to me while I was serving is, 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 is some of the, the, the most impacting revelation of my whole life that came to me while I was serving, while I was doing something. I mean, you know, I can remember lots of days out there in, in McAllen, Texas, mowing the grass of the church, and it's, you know, 107, and it feels like 190, you know? And, uh, and you're out there mowing the church and thinking, you know, what am I doing this for? Why, why, am, why, why am I mowing? I had those thoughts, you know? But over that time, as I begin to pray in the Spirit, and God would begin to speak to me things about my life and about the church and about how to help other people and how to, how to get more involved in, in, in ministering to other people. And I remember one day, I wasn't mowing the grass. I think I was cleaning toilets at the, at the church one day. And God spoke to me that there was going to be opportunities, because I worked in car lots, that there was going to be opportunities in car lots to minister the Word. And over, like, the next year, I was in three different car lots doing Bible studies. I'm talking about in car lots just where you'd never think the word would be preached, but they wanted me. I was asked by three different people to preach Bible studies, and for four years, in three different locations, I preached and had Bible studies in these car lots, at these car lots. And, and God showed me, he prepared me, but it was while I was serving that I heard him tell me that that's what it w was going to happen and that those kind of things were going to come about. And, 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 and what I'm saying is, there's something about being connected to the house that opens up opportunities and creates favor in your life that you, you would have, there's no way you could have done that. If I'd have gone to those car lots and said, you know what, I need to preach a Bible study. Uh, we, uh, not only are you not doing that, but we're firing you. We don't want you around here anymore. You know, you nuthead. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they say all kinds of things like that, but the favor of God, man, it begins to make room for you, and all of a sudden, and, and I'm, I, I know what I'm sharing with you today is out of my heart because I've seen it all my life. I've been connected for 43, 42 years, I don't know, some, somewhere in there, 
I've been connected a long time to the church of Jesus Christ, and that being connected to the church is what's caused my life and the opportunities that I've had to get in places and to do things and to minister life to people that I never thought I would ever minister to. And it's because of my connection. Can you say amen to that? So remember, that's who we are. To pray for people, look for opportunities and, and, and to give to one another and help each other and, and, and be sensitive. And I mean, if you do nothing else for people but to pray for them. You know, when I, when I, when I look out in this congregation, when I look out, you may be here for the first time. I've been praying for you. Because when I pray for the people of Gates of the City, many of you, I, I mention your name, at different times I'll mention your name, but I pray for you every day. And when I pray for you, I pray for those who have been here for a long time. I've been here, I pray for people that have been here not as long. I pray for people that have just been coming. I pray for people who are thinking about coming. And I pray for people that haven't even thought about coming. So if you're here for the first time today, I've been praying for you. I mean, is that a good thing or is it a good thing? I mean, you know, the Bible says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us, but it's a good thing to know sometime that there's some skin in the game too, right? That somebody with some skin is voicing some things on your behalf, that you're not in the fight on your own. I mean, if you don't get anything else from this message today, no, if you're connected to this house, you're not in the fight on your own. And I'm telling you, from me down, our prayer ministry, which is one of the best on the planet, our prayer ministry and everything else, they're praying for you, believing that you're overcoming in situation. Because I'm telling you, the devil pulls out every stop. And we're not focused on him, but I'm just telling you, he does it. And if you have no redemptive revelation working in you on a day-to-day -day basis, you're going to get overcome. And you're going to feel like God's lost it all. He's lost your number Email address, oh, the whole thing. Like there's nothing for you. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. So you can know today, we're in the fight with you. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> just a couple of scriptures that I, that I feel like just enforce what I'm saying. Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Work it out. That's what being connected to the house empowers you to do. It's not, it's not a labor. I, I said, I said getting, receiving God and living the born-again life, it's, it's really an easy, I mean, it's really a simple life. It's not easy, but it's simple. And when you realize that and you embrace that, you'll work out the components of salvation day to day. If you ask Jesus into your heart, you're born again. You are saved. But your soul is being saved every minute of every day. See, and that's what has to be worked out. That's what being connected to the church produces. The other verse of Scripture that just supports what, what we're talking about is Hebrews 10. And verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, who, who has, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another, let us consider one another, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much 
the more as you see the day approaching. So today, it's vital that you encourage one another, that you, that you not forsake this, that you continue to appreciate and value this, not forsaking it. So much the more today, but how much more are you going to need it tomorrow and next week and next month? You can't just live off of what you've had in the past. Well, I did that for a while, and, you know, it was good, but when I hear somebody say things like that, it hurts me. It hurts me. And, you know, we may delete it off the podcast, but I'm just going to say this to you. Every person that I have ever seen take the attitude of not valuing the gathering together, every person I've ever seen have that attitude and have it with a real attitude. We all go through different things and struggles and try to find our place and that kind of thing. That, 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 that's one thing. But every person that I've ever seen have that attitude. What happens is they begin to overestimate who they are. And I, I've, I, in the last couple of years, I've just, I've just watched a number of things happen to people that used to be connected to this body. And, and I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many days and times in prayer that I've just wept over their lives because of things that happened because they underestimated what I'm talking to you about today. Through the years, I've, I've watched people that... I, I had a friend uh, that died a really horrible death. The guy died a horrible death, and he, he wasn't part of this church. But he, but he, was, he was part of, of the, um, what, do you call the, what do you call the movement in the 60s? Charismatic movement, right? Isn't that what it was? Yeah, charismatic movement in the 60s. That really, people were in denominational churches, and they were hungry for something more in the move of the Spirit, and it was the... It was the the charismatic movement and some amazing things happened. And there was a guy that, that I was fairly good friends with, and he, uh, he was a part of that for a lot of years and uh, just got tired of it and got out of it and, and got connected kind of a little bit in the faith movement and then got tired of all that, and it just seemed monotonous and no, no use in it. And I remember sitting with him one day, and, he was, and I was just telling him you know, about some good things that were going on because, you know, for 40 plus years, I've just been excited about being born again, you know? I mean, I'm just excited about the God that's in me. I'm, I'm just excited that he would actually accept me. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that excited me over everything else. God accepted me, amen? And, and I've just been excited, and when I was talking to him, and this, this was probably sometime in the 90s, and I was talking to him, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I, I did that for a lot of years, you know? And he said, and that was all good then. And he said, it was, you know, I was about your age. And he was an older person at the time. He said, I, I was about your age. And, you know, all, all, uh, all, all that stuff was, is kind of more for younger people anyway. And he said, you know, I'm retired and I'm just doing what, what, what I'm doing. And, and I, I thought to him, I mean, I at the time didn't really feel the boldness to, you know, like say, come on, jerk the slack out of yourself and let's do something with this. I mean, I didn't really feel like I should say that. And I just shared with him. I said to him that day, the one thing I said to him was, you know, I hope I don't ever get like that. 
And he kind of looked at me. He said, what do you mean? I said, I, I, wanna, I want this to be a passion forever. I want to I keep this thing forever. I mean, I want this to die out. Man, I, wa- I want to know God, and I want, to, I, want to, I want to be on the cutting edge of new things. I mean, we just celebrated 30 years, but guys, w- w- the next 30 years are going to be the best we've ever had here. Amen? I mean, I see things today I've never seen before. I don't want that. And that guy, you know, it, it, that didn't move him, and he just kind of, little by little, it was this thing and that thing and another thing and this and that, and boom, and he just, like, got taken out way early in life. Didn't get to enjoy his grandkids and all the things that he, that he had. And, and, he, and he just left early in life in a really horrible way because he let go of that redemptive revelation. He said, if you, that Hosea 4.6, you come to the knowledge of the truth and then you turn your back on that. You know what he said? It says right there. You don't know how much that your life and the choices that you make affect not only you but the next generation. That's what that verse of scripture is saying. And it makes it very difficult. And I won't go any deeper into that, but I could tell you stories about his family. I mean, I could tell you stories for the next hour probably about his family and the things that have happened in his family. And, I'm, and it's not like, it's not like, I mean, he did, I'm not saying, it wasn't because he went to this church or whatever. I'm just talking about the redemptive revelation. And I've watched people. And they back off and they think they don't need it. And my heart just breaks. Because you and I need it. And we have to have it. There's nothing more important to your life than what I'm talking about today. There's nothing more important. And yet, if you embrace it, it'll enhance you and cause you to flourish in every single thing you do. Can you say amen to that? So... Matthew 5, and verse 14, and I'm going to read it in the, in the uh, Message Bible. <clears throat> Matthew 5 and 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. God is not a secret to be kept. If, you, if you're not allowing the word to become revelation day to day, you will keep the secret. Without redemptive revelation working in you, you will not think about other people. You will be fixated on yourself. That's not God's plan. Go back and read this passage right here. Actually, the whole chapter. He said, we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. Duh. Are we not a city on a hill? Hmm? We're a place on the highest hill look, overlooking this whole city. Right? We're, we're the city of God. We're the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, not the only church. We're just, we're the body. We're, the, we're, we're part of what he is building that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Can you say amen to that? That's who we are. And he said, we're going public with this, city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. 
Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Wow. That's what we're called to do. That's why we have our provision projects. That's why we're, 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 we're beautifying the front of our property first because we want people to think we're serious about what we're doing. Amen? So it, 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 it's getting better. We're in the stages of getting other things, our, our drainage control and, and, and uh, landscaping in the front finished out there, so it just looks better. I mean, how many like the signs, out, the, the little flags out there that say church? Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know, I just like it. <laughs> it's a church, right? That's what we are, a church. And, it's, and so, so it's going to get better and better because we're a city on a hill. We're a light that is shining, letting people know that God is real. And, and listen, you can have a place here. You can have a place on the side of the hill. It could look like Disneyland here. But if you've got no revelation. Do you know how many churches that were on fire for hundreds of years, church denominations all over the planet, and now there's buildings that seat two, three, five thousand people, and 40 people show up. And there's nothing, there's no power, there's no expectancy of the things of God, there's no revelation of God flowing through the place, but there were hundreds of years ago. What happened? Somebody turned their back on it. And now what's happening? Even whole nations where their children have been forgotten. Why? Why are their children forgotten? Because they turned their back on Revelation. You know what? That worked for a while, but we got it now. We got a handle on this thing now. God forbid. God forbid. That any place, this pulpit, God forbid that this pulpit will ever preach from mine or anybody else's ability, apart from the Holy Spirit, the voice of God, the Word of God, and the direction of God in what we do. Can you say amen to that? God forbid. Come on, give God praise today. <clears throat> amen. So, <clears throat> I'm going to end with this, but, but I want to read this kind of long passage. And, and I'm ending with this. It's found in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. And I'm going to read it out of the, out of the New Living Translation. <clears throat> While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, if you read the whole... 17th chapter, actually if you read the first 16 chapters the church of Jesus Christ, the house of God which is the church that God was building the body of Jesus Christ they went through a lot they, they, the, the, the church really was given its papers on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and from there all these amazing things began to happen but many tests and trials came at them a lot of ups and downs, a lot of people, you know, uh, over time as you're reading in the passages here, and sometimes the, the dates kind of skip around as you're reading in the passages, but as they're going, um, there's things that are happening in the church 
but then people are trying to take over. Now, we, okay, okay, all these Gentiles are saved. Now they, now they need to be circumcised because they, they, need to be, they need to respect the law of Moses. And there was a vote and it was shut down. And no, no, we're, we're, we're free from that. You know, we're liberated from that. I mean, there was a lot of things that went on and on and on in, within the church. But it was the beginnings of the church and they were establishing things and revelation was coming and, 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 and the, the disciples, the apostles never stopped preaching the word. They never stopped. All through the book of Acts, people would fall away and this thing would happen, but they never stopped preaching the word because the seed of the word produces the revelation that we need to be who God created us to be. And he said here in verse 16, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. And he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the, those guys. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler saying, uh, trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city and, and uh, come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some, strange, some rather strange things, uh, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Sound like America? Mm-hmm. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Someone shout amen to that. That's the God I'm talking to you about. I, I, I don't know what other people preach. I, I'm not comparing. I'm just saying, if you're not preaching the word, it's not producing a God that you can know. You're just preaching good ideas. What's going to end up happening is you're going to be one of those that it's like, well, you know, I, I really don't know if God is real or not. I had a guy one time come to my office at our other location down on Water Street. And he came in and he said, um, he said, please tell me you believe in creation. I said, is that a trick question? And he goes, no. He said, I've been to four churches. And what I'm trying to do, he was, a, he actually is a guy on television on one of the, on TBN. And he had, he was going around trying to uh, uh, inform people about his creation museum in where's that in Glen Rose his creation museum and he said please tell me you believe in creation I said I believe in creation he said so he, he went through different other scenarios or ideas he said so you don't believe this and don't believe it I said no I believe in creation that God created Adam and from Adam he took Eve and the two came together and we're all here as a result of it he said, you don't believe in the Big Bang Theory. I said, no. I said, well, where'd you get that from? He said, in the four previous churches that I was just in. 
I said, what are you talking about? He said, they can't tell me that they absolutely believe in creation. It's, it's, it's an option, but it could happen another way. I thought to myself, what the, what? And, and I, I was shocked. I don't know where he, I didn't, I didn't even ask him where he went to. I said, he, he, he didn't, and he wouldn't have told me anyway. He said, I just want to know that you believe in creation. I said, I do. And Paul's talking to these people that are praying and worshiping to an unknown God because they don't know. Why? No redemptive revelation. That's why you have to be connected. I promise you, you can be talked out of this. I promise you. You sit for six months away from any word at all and you listen to all these guys like he, they were doing here, reasoning and talking about everything under the sun. You'll become one of them. You'll just become one of them. You can be born again, but if your mind is not being renewed, if you're not working out your salvation, if your mind is not being renewed day by day, there's no end to what you could think and ideas that you could have and say you're a Christian and yet say that I, you know, I'm not sure about creation. You know, there could have been a big bang. We could have come from a tadpole. We could have come from an ape. We could have, okay, whatever. Amen? So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows, men of Athens, and I've already read that, uh, to an unknown God. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he, satisfied, he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Though He is not far from any one of us, for in Him we live and we move and we exist. And some of your poets have said, we are His offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to turn to Him. For He has set a day for judging the whole world with justice by the man He has appointed, and He proved to everyone who this is by raising Him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about it. You know what? It says, we want to hear more about it later. But some joined him and became believers. You know why? Because redemptive revelation was working in him. He wasn't intimidated. He was connected. He was connected all through the book of Acts, you see, where how people prayed for him. They undergirded him. Did he go through some tough stuff? Absolutely. But he overcame in every... He said, many of the persecutions that have come against me in Iconium and Lystra and all these other places, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Why? Because of the redemptive revelation, because he kept going. He didn't quit. He didn't get off in trying to figure out, how, well, you know, I better not go there because uh, they, they were mad. You know, I, I told them this, but they didn't all get saved, so maybe I ought to do, try some new thing, and maybe I'll do a stadium or something, you know. Or, I mean, instead of just doing what God tells him to do, he did it, and people got saved. I'm telling you, as you stay connected, as you believe in what God is doing in this place, in your life, 
then you will help to advance the kingdom of God in all that happens. And I'm going to say this in closing. <clears throat> Being a part of church life is number one, getting here. Number, t- number two, hearing and doing. Number three, giving of yourself. And number four, never quitting. Can you say amen? <clears throat> because people that pray together and serve together stay together. And it's just the truth. And, and the amazing thing is what, you, what a lot of times people underestimate is the power you have to overlook the differences that there are in, each, in, in, in people's lives. You have the power to overlook that when you see beyond things that people do and you see what's really in their heart. And you're able to pray for them and help them and, and, and believe for great things in their life. Amen? That's what God wants in the church. And I'm so privileged. Becky and I are so privileged to be pastors of this church. And the fact that you would be here today, and just it's an honor to preach the word to you and to challenge you with truth. I'll never back off from the truth. You know, whether somebody likes what I say or the way I say it or whatever, I mean, I try to keep all that together. But I can't be concerned about that because the truth has to go out. Because if not, then what happens is we begin to worship a God that we don't really believe in. And I'll never let that happen. Never. Can you say never? Never let it happen. Why worship a God that you don't believe in? That doesn't help you the other six days of the week. And, and all the other things that you do. I mean, it, it, only when you come and sit in here. Thank God for here. But man, what really matters is what goes on out there. That's what really matters. And that's what we believe for and we stand for.